0: and welcome to Talking Tent, a podcast about movies, TV, and all the content we can possibly consume. I'm Zach. And I'm Irma.
1: We are a married couple whose shared love of movies and TV cannot be contained, so we've decided to share our thoughts, opinions, cheers, and occasional jeers with the world. Welcome to this week's episode where we'll be breaking down the season finale of The Mandalorian Season 3, Briefly touch on Succession, gotta hit it, we skipped one week, can't go more than two weeks without talking Succession. Uh, Irma wants to talk about her favorite surfing reality show called A 100 Foot Wave, and then the moment we've all been waiting for, the Hoffman Horror Extravaganza. I saw Evil Dead Rise, and Irma came with me to see Ari Aster's new movie, Boa's Afraid which uh, frankly blew both of our minds, both good and bad. We still don't even know, but we're certainly going to talk about it. Uh, And we're not going to spoil it. We're going to talk broadly, I think. Themes, maybe, who knows. We're going to start right off with The Mandalorian. I believe in a previous episode, I had said about The Mandalorian as we were coming into the finale that my expectations have just been lowered in preparation for whatever is to come. And I got to say, I found the finale quite enjoyable because I wasn't expecting anything grand and spectacular. And honestly, it kind of exceeded my expectations. We had some, a lot of fun battles. I thought some of it looked a little hokey, but that's all right. Kind of always does. Um, and we got like a, a pretty nice conclusion to the, the reconquering of the Mandalorian people. and, Bo-Katan, and uh, we got um, Din, and Grogu are kind of now back to their... Um... Ovel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. You're right. No, it was a, nice little t- a nice little house on the outskirts. Yeah. But now they can go back to their mercenary ways, so they kind of just reset the whole series, except Bo-Katan yeah, is now back strange. on Mandalore.
0: No, I agree. There was definitely really cool, like, fighting choreography, um, really cool moves with the jetpacks. I loved that, like, airborne fight. It was almost like an, like a, out of, like, Iron Man. You know what I mean? Like, with, like, the jetpacks and them, like, fighting each other in the, uh, I guess, in the open-air cave. Um, And then I, of course, I just love baby Grogu. Um, He's always really cute. And that moment at the end when he holds back that, like, fireball, I thought was so visually, like, beautiful and really heartwarming. But I just feel like things just don't really pay off. Like, there's just some, like, things that they, like, I feel like they were trying to set up early in the season that, like, kind of misled us in a way. Like, I know this is going to be, like, a stupid one, but, like, Paz Vizla when he sacrifices himself in the previous um, episode, like, in the beginning, like, he was all about, like, oh, his son and all, like, his family, but then he just sacrifices himself and no, like, send off line, like tell my son I love him. I know that sounds cheesy, but like, I don't know. He was all like gung ho. I don't know. I know it's dumb. And then um, kind of similar in that same vein, like when what's that guy's name? Rhodes, I think his name is. Wolf, something like that. Bo-Katan's like right hand man, whatever his name is. He uses his jet pack essentially to fly into outer space. When previously on the third episode similar with Paz Vizla, they can't even like catch up with that stupid ass dinosaur because of their jetpacks. So I just feel like they're misleading us here somehow. And they've like s- lost so many children to this dinosaur. It just feels so strange. And then another issue I had was like, so the first season is all about Moth Gideon trying to get Grogu essentially because he wants his midichlorians and he wants like Pershing To do all like those like testing and whatever on him. But then like Grogu's there in his lair and he doesn't even care. It just feels like disjointed. Like from what we thought Moth Gideon like wanted in the beginning. Um, I know he wants Mandalore now, but it just feels like, I don't know. I don't really understand what he wants. Yes. A
1: stand-in villain for whatever they wanted to accomplish with the season, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they should have just used a different person.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: That had different motivations and then brought um, Giancarlo back if they wanted to. Because, yeah, like, why isn't anyone going after Grogu anymore? Like, there's, there just seems to be no conflict with Din and Grogu other than who they're helping. At the, so, in this case, they were helping the Mandalorian, which makes sense because Din yeah. is obviously Mandalorian. Um, but, yeah, like, the first season, the first two seasons were all about... How are Din and Grogu gonna survive this hunt? And yeah, I didn't even remember that it was him that it was right. It was hunt he was hunting down Grogu. And for now, his metaclorines, yeah. for his
0: clones that we saw. Yeah. And it's just like weird that like Grogu's there and he doesn't even really seem to care. I don't know. Not that I wanted him to go after Grogu, obviously, but it just was like strange. I don't know.
1: So the clones. Did he Did he get the Medichlorians? He said the clones were going to be perfect, or some crap. No, I think and then that's the thing. He was so still easily.
0: missing. Huh. I don't know. I don't really remember now. Um, and then, yeah, the last thing that like kind of annoyed me was like that Moth Gideon destroyed the Dark Saber. Like, isn't that super important? Like, I know it's just like a symbol, but it just feels like I don't know all of this for just to for it to be destroyed. I mean, I get it in theory. I do.
1: Yeah, I think they were just trying to push the point that it's not the sword. I know. You know the sword is just no, a symbol that. for Bo-Katan is the, is the leader. Yeah. She proved it whether that or not. she doesn't need the dark whether not saber. She ha- and then like yeah. if, if some random person beat her in a fight on the street, like, oh, now he's the king or she's the king. It's like, no, it's. It's about the person, it's not about a silly. No, sort. I fully
0: understand that. But, but yeah, you're right. The Dark Saber was cool. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. He just smashed with his hand the uh um, the the suit was making too much noise.
0: I thought his suit was so cool. Yeah, but it made
1: so many robot sounds. Yeah. It was like, all right, you what is what's happening here? Is he man? Is he robot?
0: Yeah, well, I think that's the point. And he yeah. had to, like all this like cool tech. Like, did he not share this with, like, the First Order? Like, how does the First Order not implement all of this stuff? You know what I mean? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess it was in the process.
0: Yeah, and then I guess it gets destroyed. So maybe, yeah, because I guess maybe he was, like, keeping what he was doing secret from all of those, like, spies. And that's another thing. They misled us about the spies. It was yeah, kind there were of no double
1: crossers. We thought maybe there was some sort of double crosser that wasn't.
0: I don't know. They're the story was just flimsy. I'm I'm I love spending time with Din and Group, but overall I was a bit disappointed. Not the best.
1: Yeah, definitely not the best. Average. Fine at best. Uh but you know what? We had some fun fights. The door, the laser door scene fight was cool. Yeah, that
0: was cool. That was cool.
1: Um when Bo I thought they built pretty well to Grogu needing Din's help, then Din needing Grogu's help, then both needing Bo-Katan's help, and then all three of them having to combine to to kill. Uh, Ma- well, presumably we think he's dead, but who knows? No, he's not. He can always dead. come back whenever. It's one of those things. If they don't show the body, yeah. he's not dead. John uh, Carlo
0: has another show to 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 do. <laughs> you know what
1: I? You know what I was thinking though when when he was when the fireball was coming down from the ship and the the fire the thing that killed potentially moth Mm -hmm. and it was obviously they were not going to escape the our three heroes and and Bo just took her tiny little shield out at first because the show had proven itself to at times be kind of dumb I was like oh my god are they gonna have just that stupid shield be like oh she saved them so I was actually surprised what it was grogu's force shield yeah when they finally showed you know, that, that he was fighting off
0: shield what is the point <laughs> of that just in any situation yeah i guess
1: it could stop like a few things if you're fast enough but yeah i i gave out a nice yelp when me it was too, grogu holding like the ball of flame away from them no, that, that was, was quite really nice. nice yeah uh so we had a few good moments but yeah, certainly the story is not is not that good it's never gonna be that good yeah I think I think the first two seasons maybe gave us a little bit too much, and then Andor obviously just gave us way too much sophistication for a Star Wars. Yeah, true, uh, true. World. It basically wasn't Star Wars. It was just in space.
0: Yeah, and no, they had right. the it's same like, a spy like com- yeah they had
1: the same graphics and the planes and like the same computers, but it was so different.
0: Well, also Andor didn't have any like aliens or creatures, so it didn't really feel mm-hmm. like
1: or Jedi, right? Yeah, or powers or force exactly, or anything.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So what grade do you give Mandalorian season three?
0: A five.
1: Oh, I meant a grade. <laughs> right. What do you mean
0: grade? Like oh, a, like I'm thinking one out of 10. Yeah,
1: well, we did do the excitometer is coming <laughs> up, which we did do one out of 10. So that's stay, <laughs> that's stay consistent. One out of 10. What would you give it?
0: A five.
1: I was also, well, I was going to say C, <laughs> which I suppose would be a five right down the middle because- you can't get, even though I did enjoy the last few episodes, you can't deny that the first ones were just straight up bad. So that would have been like
0: yeah. F. Well, I was like excited about building the lore and everything and like maybe getting into more of like old Mandalorian lore, but I feel like they didn't really do that. Yeah,
1: they definitely could have, which is, is very frustrating because of those first few episodes were just bad and they could have spent the time building us to... What where we got? Yeah, like, like that pushing
0: it, episode was so unnecessary. Oh, that was so
1: awful, I and it was know. so boring too. Yeah. Even though, like, I get it in the story, I guess. And they they built that the girl with the woman with the short hair uh, like who a helped. Spy, I guess yeah. she's a
0: spy. I don't know. It was just yeah, just disjointed.
1: Yeah, definitely could have been worked out better. And now, yeah, now it's like they're going forward. They're just done. Although I guess it's they're helping the um.
0: Oh, right. The, rebel, the, the Yeah. No, not the rebels. They're
1: the. Yeah. What do they call them? In the, in <laughs> the, tr- in the sequel trilogy, it's like, what leads to that? Like yeah. what Rey eventually.
0: The Republic? No. Uh, this is bad. We watched yeah, the whole show and we I don't know. even know what they're called. There's just so
1: many names. There's Imperial. There's First Order. There's like so many different things. Yeah. Of the, the Empire. Like they just renamed whatever the rebels are, but in the sequel trilogy. But
0: they're not rebels.
1: Yeah, they are. They're rebelling against First Order or whatever. I don't know.
0: No, they're not. This is like the army of, like, the galaxy. This is like, they're, they're just not very good. This is like what Luke and Leia built, essentially. Storm. Yeah. Yeah. First Order? No. What is it?
1: The First Order of the bad people.
0: No, I know. But this is the good guys, but they're not, like...
1: They're not rebels.
0: Yeah, they're not rebels. They're in
1: charge, yeah. technically. The exactly. First Order of Rebels, so we should root for them.
0: Can we just look it up?
1: Yeah, look it up. The New Republic. <laughs> so after, in the prequel trilogy, what is it, like the Galactic Republic, that falls apart. Then during the OG trilogy, the they're, the ruling body are, is the Empire, they're bad. And then for the sequel trilogy, it goes back to technically, the good boys are in charge, right? And then mm, the yes. First Order are uh, rebelling against that. So... Din is gonna help the good the good people in the sequel trilogy, like what what Ray and uh, what uh, Oscar Isaac eventually fight for.
0: Yes. Okay. Too much Mandalorian talk now.
1: You're right. Let's get to something altogether different. Dong ding ding. dong dong succession episode four that we didn't talk about last week was the funeral. Episode, bottle episode in the. It was
0: like a wake. They didn't do the sure, funeral yet. True,
1: true. The wake. Uh, everybody was in Logan's apartment. One, one set. Uh, the last time they used that set, all the actors talked about. So we're not seeing that apartment again. Uh, that was a that was a nice one. Just seeing how all the different people are reacting, and then the immediate. You know, some people are still grieving, but then some people are watching the throne and already making moves. And then episode five.
0: Well, wait. So I do have to ask you, do you think it was an underline or it was crossed out?
1: Um, well, it was obviously straight up on the nose halfway through, which was a bit ridiculous.
0: I think it's amazing that they put that in there. They put an underline
1: and in the middle of his name, it goes up and through the rest of it so yeah. it's literally 50 50
0: i say it was intended to be a cross out i think this was an emotional thing he did especially like with in pencil doing it on top of on top of type like that's just like something like you just do out of like emotion like you're like fuck him you yeah know?
1: fuck him no i mean the only thing that really makes sense in a normal person's Life is that it's a cross out because why would you underline it? Exactly. It's already there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a cross out. But whatever, it's not. He's in charge. I know. And Hilarious. we get to uh, episode five, where if they save some money on episode four, they spent all the money on episode five to fly us all to Norway. Oh
0: my god, it was beautiful. It was
1: unbelievable. Makes me want. Well, we should just move there and and become billionaires so we can afford that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have us because we wouldn't be able to get the universal health care and all of that stuff. So
1: you got enough money, you can get whatever you want. Or they don't actually in those countries, they don't like people that are that rich. That's what I've heard, Hmm. because it's like it goes against all of their values. They get they get shunned. Uh. Everybody has flown out to Norway to meet with Madsen. And I got to say, my boy Skarsgård just kills it all the time such a great presence to have to just come in off the bench obviously this is arguably the best acted show of all time just if you talk about everybody so if you don't want to say like um you know Gandolfini is the best ever but like as a whole cat there is no metal sopranos no offense or or (laughs) the, the the sun even worse sorry but yeah. uh, but like they're everybody is the top of their game. And then they could just drop so Alexander Skarsgård in and he can not only hold his own. Jeremy Strong in the in the interview after was like, I love just facing off against him because he's just a different presence.
0: Well, he described him as like like a fierce like it's almost like a Logan, like that foe that you need to like push up against, you know, and that really was what Skarsgård was. He's just. Great,
1: yeah, and he does it with like the sarcasm, but then for some, maybe it's just because I, I'm biased and I just really love him as a as an actor. Yeah, that like I just trust that he is right, and uh, he's always in control. And then even when I was watching him talking to Shiv and be those
0: were I think the best scenes.
1: Well, he was being like really candid and open about this thing that he shouldn't have been telling her. I
0: know. So Which weird. is, I was,
1: I was thinking like, is he just more flawed than I am letting myself believe because I love Alexander Skarsgård or am I right? And this is just yet another play to get Shiv on his side.
0: I don't know. And then I play the, so. play the
1: brothers against each other and play the, the sister against the brother. And he's going to, I'm still, he's taking them for all their worth.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Something's happening. I'm excited to see definitely where it goes. I mean, I feel like this is the not the only family. because I feel like it's pretty common and for rich people to just fall upwards. They tried to sabotage this and then they got more money yeah. for it. It's just like ridiculous. Like
1: absurd. It's but like they
0: can't fail essentially with whatever decision, you know?
1: Yeah. So they try to Ken and Roman try and tank the whole deal. And Roman, I mean, they it's always their plan. At least Ken brings it up and Roman agrees. Roman bothers me sometimes where he just, I mean, I guess I get it. He's, he was raised by the most domineering presence possible. Um, and then he kind of always tends to just agree eventually. He might state that he doesn't immediately want to do what the other person wants to do, but then eventually he just usually says okay. Uh, which is because sometimes I feel like he's right and then he just cowers and, and gives in. But, Eventually, he gives in to Ken and he says, all right, let's tank the deal because kind of both of them are power hungry again. And I, I thought it was pretty telling when Skarsgård says, I just want to make you rich. And and Kendall's just like, we're already rich. So as much as me and you watch it, be like, take the $2 billion yeah. each. Just like, what are you fighting for? They're, it's a power. It's a power thing. Like, he doesn't want to give up the opportunity to... He's grown his whole life being like, this will one day be mine. And then to the day after it is potentially his, just selling out all of it. Yeah. I get it. But I'm just like, come on, man, just sell it all. It's great. Um, but yeah, so they try and tank the deal to to keep power. And then Skarsgård comes back with more money. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a, it's a ploy because he did it through the grays. So now...
0: Why do you keep calling them the Grays? Because he called
1: them the Grays. Oh, Kendall really? called them the Grays, the old people. Oh,
0: that's so funny. Yeah, I Kendall guess I called didn't, them like, the Grays in the that. beginning
1: of the in the beginning of this episode. And but Ages. he does it. Yeah, he does it through the older folk, and he doesn't want to talk to the the siblings. I
0: mean, it makes sense. Yeah,
1: because now they can't because they tried to tank it without anybody knowing. Yeah, and now they're he's offering even more money, and everybody's celebrating. You know, the people that are I don't know. It's kind of complicated with the lower people that are potentially being let go, like Hugo. Are they? I don't think. I mean, they must have stock, but they're not they like get
0: a severance package. Yeah, no? they. they like, yeah, I, not I'm like, sure they're all
1: fine. Yeah, they're not. Whatever. Yeah. But it's not like like Carl and Frank are decidedly getting a piece of this deal, so they yeah. don't care. Like Carl's like, all right, who cares? I'm I'm retiring anyway.
0: He has a, He bought an island. <laughs> yeah. He's fine.
1: Right. So now. Kendall and Roman can't like secretly tank it. They either just have to deny these people the money that somebody just offered them. So like it's much harder for them to get out of it now because they everybody else wants it and they're all aware of the deal.
0: Well, and it's also like he put it essentially in the board's hands. Yeah, like exactly, it really exactly. is what the board wants. And it's not I, it's a public company. You yeah, know, I it's thought not it was also really
1: um a really cool dichotomy of showing. Like, especially even though Logan was, he had to also have the board agree with him, as we saw with a bunch of different things with whether Kendall was going to take over for him and then the board eventually voted against it. Um, but it seems like the Madsen company is just him and he just makes the decisions and he has advisors, but he doesn't have to have a whole group of people agreed at anything. It's just whatever he wants. And then showing the dichotomy of these three siblings that are trying to, consolidate their power and make a decision but then there's them their butting heads and then there's five other people that disagree just so complicated
0: yeah it's kind of funny like um guard, what's his name in the show i forget now madson he just kind of Lucas. looks like a vagabond in a way like yeah. he just looks like unkempt, unshaved whatever and then you have like the three siblings there within like they're so tailored and i don't know so put together but especially like two days after their dad died. And that was one thing that, like, I couldn't understand. I mean, I obviously, I'm not in the same mental state as they would be, but, like, why they were so concerned with what Logan would do and what Logan wants. Like, Logan doesn't want anything anymore. He's dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, who cares what Logan would have wanted? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like... And it's hard because, like, I consider ATN, obviously, like, an equivalent to Fox News. And I just can't understand, like... Just get rid of this. It's terrible. You do not need this in your life. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to parse as an audience member. Exactly. um, We're just like, yeah, Logan's not here. Make a decision for yourself. But for whatever, 40-ish years for all of them, Logan has told them what to do, no matter what. It was always, he was the presence that they wanted to impress. They wanted to disagree with but ultimately like they don't know how to make a decision they never have they've never done anything without Logan I feel
0: like they're considering ATN as like a memento yeah in a way like uh, as a piece of their father's like legacy and just like a piece of him and like I love what Shiv said like just keep a sweater of him like or just take a sweater I don't know I just thought it was funny
1: yeah and then she just she's when when they offer, when they tell her about the deal that Madsen says that he also wants ATN, she's like, good, get rid of it. It's a toxic asset. It's it screwed. Is. And, but yeah, they're, they're stubborn and want to hold on to, they want to impress daddy, even from the grave. It's, it's a little embarrassing, but hey.
0: Yeah. All right. Next, I'm going to talk about A Hundred Foot Wave. This is a documentary series on HBO. Um, Zach doesn't watch this, but and I think you should. I think you should catch up on it. I
1: think I did watch like the last one or two of the first season uh-huh. with you because I would watch it like I'd catch it if I was cooking dinner and you would watch it. But yeah, I'm, it's fine. You really? got to have shows that, you know, we're not always on the same schedule and then you could talk about
0: it. No, I know. Um, so this is about surfing the biggest waves in the world. Um, so there's only been two episodes of the second season that are up now. Um, The first season is primarily about a guy named Garrett McNamara who pioneered big wave surfing. Um, He heard about these waves off of the coast of Portugal and the small fishing village of Nazare. um, And he basically discovered this area. So the first season is about him discovering these waves and um, him and a small cast of other surfers um, learning how to ride these waves safely. Like, it's hard to explain, but these waves are like 80 feet high. I mean, their goal of the whole show is to find that biggest wave, that 100-foot wave. And they believe that at Nazare, they can get that 100-foot wave.
1: That's the thing in Portugal, right?
0: Yes, in Portugal. Yeah. And so you've got Garrett, his wife, Nicole, his her brother, CJ. And then there's Kadi, who's an English surfer, um, who wants this record really, really bad because I don't think anyone really takes him seriously because so many surfers come from the U.S., Hawaii, Portugal, Brazil and everything. And he's basically this like lone surfer from England. um, And yeah, just like the filmmaking is unbelievable. It's so like breathtaking, but terrifying at the same time. Like it is beautiful. Like this doc, it's basically just like a documentary about like how terrifying the world can be in a weird way like I don't the know just like natural. Natu- yeah the, the natural world and then these like these daredevils like trying to tame these waves it's crazy Um, and then of course so season two just started and it's like showing us how popular Nazare has come and that Um, so this first episode I want to say it was in October 2020 it was when they filmed it which was the height of the pandemic but these surfers still Uh, flocked to Nazare to catch this like big set that's coming up. And there's like a hundred surfers and jet skis in these huge, huge waves. And it's just like, so not only is this so dangerous because of how big the waves are, but there's also so many people vying for this like one or two waves. And it's just crazy. And it's just, I don't know, it just gets so immersive. And I I feel like I'm not doing a good job selling you on it, but uh, it's just so good. (laughs) But <laughs> doesn't,
1: doesn't our friend Ryan work on the show? Does he? I think so, right?
0: Oh, I don't remember. It's I don't not
1: remember. on his IMDB. Hey Ryan, if you listen, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you work on the show, but it's not on your IMDB.
0: Yeah. Um anyway, but the filmmaking really is beautiful. Like I highly recommend um and then in the second season, Cottie essentially, to me at least, emerges as the main character. I feel like his story is so compelling. Like he's just like this depressed guy living in his van who really wants to make it as a surfer and be taken seriously while they have like all these like young guys like like these Kai Lennies and like all these other people who just like take these waves and like they're not even scared of them. They're doing like all these flips and all like this crazy thing. And I don't know. Anyway, I freaking love it. Um, it's amazing. All the people are great. The filmmaking is stunning. Give it a watch.
1: And to close out our TV section, we got a recommendation from some friends to watch Jury Duty, which is on Amazon Prime. It's actually gone Freezy, which is owned by Amazon. It's somehow you pay for Amazon Prime and you get access to Freezy, which has commercials. It's a very strange business model, but that's fine. And it's a weird, it's basically half the office and half the, Crank anchors or like a prank show, because it, it's a jury in a court about the whole process from start to well, finish. Yeah,
0: so it's essentially like a documentary style yeah, show. Yeah, so it's like The Office yeah. exactly,
1: except one person is not an actor. Everybody else is an actor, and one person just thinks they're serving on a jury in this case. So what's interesting at first when I was watching the first episode. It's like how long I thought a, I thought it was going to be an episode by episode. Like each time it was just different. And they, they told the person, they're like, ah, ha, ha, next one. Um, but it's not, it's the whole season. So basically it's like not the actors aren't playing up that this guy doesn't know. It's not like straight up a bull rat. It's just they're you know, they have their characters. They're talking to the camera as if they're in their character except also one of them is not in character, and eventually he's going to find yeah. out.
0: And he's such a nice guy. He's, yeah, very
1: personable. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I wonder how many times they did at least the beginning mm-hmm. with somebody, and they're like, this is not working. And then yeah, they yeah. eventually got to this guy yeah, who's like willing to talk to James Marsden. And say be racist and ha- like <laughs> he on. says like all these perfect things, which everybody's thinking, but he's he not, says them. he's
0: not racist. No, Did he say told something?
1: he's like, what's a good oh. way to get out of jury duty? He's like, you know, the classic one is you just say you're racist.
0: Oh, what? He told him to do that. I guess yeah. I missed that. And then that. they just
1: went with it. So then one of the characters actually does <laughs> say that they play that into the whole story. Um, oh, but I yeah, it's, it's really that. interesting. Yeah, at, it's at, definitely
0: at, funny. Yeah.
1: At first I was like, how are they going to keep this up? But then you realize it's just Parks and Rec. Like, it's just that kind of show. Yeah. But with this added element of that, that it's a prank the whole time.
0: I know. I know. Oh, this poor guy. See, he's also, like, bonding with these people, yeah, you that's know? That's what I was
1: thinking, too. I, I was wondering, you know, if he's on a text thread with his boys, like, how? when did he just text, like, I am now friends with James Marsden.
0: I know. <laughs> it's crazy that James Marsden is on this. Like, yeah. it, it makes me like James Marsden so much more knowing that he would just, like, be this, like, douchey actor and just, like, pretend, like, hey, that's really me. You know what I mean? Like.
1: Yeah. It's going to be. It's. I feel bad for him. We'll see. We're only two episodes in. There's I think there's six out and two more are coming. I'm going to feel pretty bad. Usually with, like, a prank, it's over that day.
0: I know. This is going on for a while. They're they're sequestered.
1: Yeah. It's like, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) You got me. Good job. It's going to be like he really is bonding with these people. He really likes the, you know. He thinks the girl is funny, that the funny girl. Yeah, and yeah. And like he he's talking to this strange guy and he's weird and like
0: Well, it's basically like his his door mate or whatever. It yeah, is. Oh, right.
1: I was talking about the guy that said he was gonna go pull one in the bathroom. Oh, right. no, he <laughs> oh, died. Right. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> but yeah, his, Spoiler alert, yeah, his he didn't weird, die. But. His weird room neighbor who's just an yeah. insane person. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess we're gonna have to finish it because yeah. I am really interested to see like how they reveal it and I know. how he reacts.
0: I know, I'm like laughing, just thinking about the moments. Yeah, it's definitely highly recommend.
1: All right, Arm, are you ready to revisit this situation? The Hoffman horror extravaganza has begun. And let's start with actually the second movie I saw.
0: Why? We went
1: back to back because the important one is the important one. Okay. And I'm going to be very quick. We went back to back. Well, you went back to back with Bo is Afraid and Evil Dead Rise, which I was shocked were coming out on the same day but now that I've seen both totally unrelated and totally fine evil dead rise real quick kind of a disappointment I don't know if it was because I was coming off Bo is Afraid which is just such a different vibe and three hours long and then seeing another movie on top of that I was getting a little sleepy but evil dead rise it felt like it It just studied the gore of the series without studying any of the humor, any really any of the things that people really love about it. And it was just a fire hose of blood for 70 minutes from start to finish. Like it just didn't do a good job developing the characters. They also made a weird choice. So the original ones are obviously in a cabin in the woods, a classic horror bit. This one they made in a basically disheveled, broken down apartment building in Los Angeles. So the people were trapped on like the fifth floor of an apartment building. And it just felt very confining. Like there was only so much they could do battling these demons for basically the whole movie. Like usually, usually the spooks and and stuff happen a little later. This kind of happens right away. Some of it was really good. The cold open, I thought was the best part. But then the rest of it, it got, it got, it got pretty boring. So I was, I was pretty disappointed by it. Some of the, the gore was good, fine. But uh, in a previous episode, I was talking about Terrifier 2 and how like the, the violence was so visceral that it was like crazy, but it was also gimmicky and cartoony enough that it, it just felt it, something felt better about it. And this one, they had so much money. And it just all looks so real, like a knife going through someone's arm and like that. It's no longer fun. It's just boring, kind of. It's just it was weird. I don't know. I felt I felt really let down by it because the trailer looked good. I was like, all right, they're going to make Evil Dead actually pretty scary. But then in doing that, a it wasn't that scary because it was so predictable because we know exactly how these movies work. But then it lost like the heart and the soul and the, and the fun like Evil Dead is goofy. That's the point.
0: But wasn't it, who was the original director of, like...
1: Yeah, Sam Raimi.
0: Yeah, and he's not a part of this anymore, I think, no, right? you know, he
1: produced it and apparently oh. picked the guy that, that directed it. So, yeah, I don't know how much involvement and how he didn't say, like, how about we throw, like, a few jokes? Yeah. But there just was no character. They didn't, the only homage, really, was the, was just the concept of the Necronomicon. And then also at, well, they they have a chainsaw situation, which is a big part of the original movies where um, Ash uh, loses his hand and then replaces his hand with a chainsaw. Okay. But they don't even do it fun like that. It's just like she picks up a chainsaw. So it's like they, 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 they're like, oh, it's the same franchise, but it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I don't know. If you're a fan of the, the movies and then the series and then you thought these movies would be better without Bruce Campbell. Uh, I guess see this movie. It is super gory. It like at one point it is literally raining blood.
0: Wow. Sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Now. But
0: that happens in Nope. It rains blood. True. That was but that's really good. so
1: much. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's like so much more creative that it rains blood. This was just like boring, raining blood, <laughs> boring, raining blood. Boy, wow, how far I've fallen. All right. And now we're moving to the coup de gras. So let's Pretty start bra. from let's start from the beginning here. Hereditary comes out in 2018. Zach goes to the movie theaters. He's he's awestruck. It's a it's a it's a perfect horror movie. I rewatched it. It's just as good as I remember even knowing exactly what happened. It's perfectly structured. Perfectly paced, but elevated in a way that is just admirable it is true horror because it could happen it's real except for the well who knows but the the witchcraft and stuff that starts in the the last act all right then it moves up but the beginning of it is essentially just about a mother dealing with the death of her daughter and that's what Ari Aster does so in Midsommar it's a girl dealing with her bipolar sister killing herself and her parents and her being left without a family and finding a new family in this horrible place. But what he does is he takes true tragedy and bends it into a genre film with beautiful artistry, beautiful set pieces, especially Midsommar is so, if Hereditary is like your pretty traditional horror movie, you know, something horrible happens, it, uh, again, it is so much better than most. But it builds the characters, then something horrible happens, and then kind of frights ensue, and then an explanation is given. Midsommar does a lot of that, but he also decided to make a terrifying movie where it never gets dark, which I thought, like, even, it sounds so obvious once you've seen it, but to have that thought, be like, that's have this horrible movie where all this horrible stuff happens and have it be in the most beautiful place you can possibly imagine. Like literally little house on the prairie, beautiful hills, flowers.
0: It was in like Scandinavia, right? It was in Norway. Yeah. Similar to succession. Sweden. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. And Florence Pugh did such a good job in that movie. I don't normally like scary movies, but for some reason you convinced me. I don't know how to see this movie, and there's definitely some gore in it. But no, I it's one of my favorite. I would say horror m- movies.
1: Yeah, it's also a near perfect movie. It was also kind of before Florence Pugh was Florence Pugh. I would say it, it helped establish her. Really, before that, she was. The girl from Fighting With My Family, the Rock WWE movie, she was in very little before that. Then she had Midsommar and Little Women in the same year and then became what she is now, which is a superstar that still isn't in that many great movies if you actually look at her IMDb, but she's a hot commodity and she's very good (laughs) in what she does. She just maybe isn't making the best choices. Except for Little Women and and, uh, Midsommar. Midsommar. Also, what I noticed re-watching both of them is they're very similar in structure. And even in certain parts of their performances. So Tony Collette goes way over the top. And while Florence Pugh plays it very subtle eventually, but they both start the horror with them with a horrible scream. So when Tony finds her daughter in the car, it is this earth shaking scream that you don't see. And you only, it's a close up on the son's face. Uh, it's just so, he's just, he frames, picture, he frames things so well. He's, always sh- he's often showing you the reaction of other people while other things are happening. And he does that all the time. And it's so good. It's so much, you know, your classic horror thing of like, it's scarier if you don't see it. So it's more horrible. It's more terrifying if you don't see it. You know what's happening. But then he also shows, he, sh- he gives you glimpses of the things that you have to see. So after those two movies, one of the best one-two punches I can think of to start a career, obviously I'm thrilled by the prospect of a third film starring Joaquin Phoenix, whom Ari says is this generation's best actor, and I'm, I, he's up there for sure along, among a pantheon of people Everything he's in it. He's just so good.
0: But he's also kind of like a chameleon in a way. Like he's not like a character actor, but he definitely does like melt into a part. And I don't see like Joaquin Phoenix, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know?
1: I think I think he he is very much method without yeah. getting the negative connotation of that some people do.
0: I know. I think I listened to like a interview with Ari Astor. He was saying that Joaquin which is like scream every so often on set to just stay
1: character and apparently so throughout the movie he has a wound and apparently he had a needle in his shirt or like some sort of pin something that would actually hurt him in that spot so that his reactions when he moved and would like grab at it or or it was like actually hurting him so his more natural.
0: Oof, jeez.
1: Yeah, so you know Jeremy Strong kind of got shit on <laughs> for for being method all the time. Dramatically, and maybe it's different that Joaquin is just so good that he can do all that, but also then when he has lunch, just to be turn a normal it off. person. Yeah. Um, and then like Daniel Day Lewis, famously, yeah. is just Lincoln for five months. Well, I've heard or that whatever. that's very
0: annoying. Also, yeah, like, I'm sure, he's but just, you know, yeah, he
1: does nine movies in his whole career. I mean, he's you're a legend and, Yeah, <laughs> I'm always an intrepid podcast. host. Yeah. And again, as any any of our faithful listeners know, with movies I'm this excited for and this bought in on the filmmaker or the actor, I just don't look up anything. I don't I didn't even look at the tagline for this movie. I didn't look at a, a preview. I hadn't seen anything.
0: Yeah, you didn't really even know that this like technically isn't really a horror movie.
1: Yeah, I I had heard that is it was an abs, absurd
0: like this, I guess technically he's describing it as like a comedy, which I didn't yeah, even it's insane. after watching it to be honest, I still don't really think it's a comedy. I feel like maybe Okay. Uh it's not that I didn't like this movie, it's not that I didn't love this movie. Or I, I definitely like didn't hate it by any means either, but it was, it was a lot. Yeah. It was well, a
1: lot. I didn't finish the intro.
0: <laughs> oh, you're still introing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Jeez, this is a long intro. Yeah.
1: So right when it starts, it is so different than the other two movies he had, he has ever, he made, not ever, What It is so different than those, they're I'm going to call them traditional horror movies. Not that they're traditional. They're still great, but in pacing and storytelling, you know, the horrible thing happens and then the rest of the movie is someone dealing with it. And in this case, he actually flips that where it's just this man in a world that we don't understand.
0: I think I understood it, but kind of, yeah. But you didn't
1: really know why or what you. There was no way you're watching them. Like, yeah, I get what's going on in this movie, other than this guy is fucked up.
0: Well, it like he has intense anxiety, and like this was his world that we were seeing through this like intense anxiety. Like everything was at a level ten. Like every person on the street, every encounter he would have, like he would just think the worst of it. And that's what we would see like these anyone on the street was about ready to kill him. You know what I mean? But that's not true in real life. But But in his head, that's what he was seeing. And that's what we were seeing because of it.
1: It very well could have been true. And Ari said as much. I don't think so. Really? He said it was it was a real world. Okay. Well, well, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, there's multiple interpretations.
0: Like especially the the guy above his bathtub. I thought that was an interpretation of the spider. Like, that's how big it was in his head.
1: It certainly could have been. And it's a great it interpretation on him. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? And that's like, that's the spider.
1: Yeah. Um, it is easily the strangest, most perplexing, interesting, deranged, awe-inspiring movies I've ever seen, I think. It was confounding. Like for me, for us to be nearly a, not a a week, nearly a week later, still just like not sure about what we saw and what it all meant. Although at one point they kind of make it pretty clear.
0: Yeah. I think by the end you kind of understand why he is the way he is. Right.
1: But even just the journey to get to that, there's like so many layers going on. There's so much. Well, this is
0: essentially like an, an odyssey, like a tall tale, you know, like, and I think he's, he's described it that way, you know?
1: It is the odyssey. It's Gulliver's travels. It's a satirical world. Yeah. It's It's exaggerated. It's a farce. It's absurd. Parts of it are funny. There's certainly things that are funny, not laugh out loud funny, you know, like someone cracks a joke, but just like an absurd take on the world. Yeah. A satirical funny.
0: Yeah, like I in the interview, I listened to Kiwi like, saying like the posters on the wall and like all like the signs and such. Like they're meant to be funny, but I wasn't really concerned with all of that stuff. So I missed a lot of it. So I don't know if I'd be able to sit through this again. Just but maybe I will now knowing that it's meant to be funny and like maybe just take it more like lighthearted in a way. Yeah, like, I think maybe my mindset, just changing it slightly.
1: I think, well, A, feel however you want to feel about it, right? Just because the creator says it's a comedy. He also said Midsommar was a dark comedy. Yeah. So he's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like
1: he does, and it's fine if the creator of something doesn't like to identi- uh, define something as one thing. But, like, if he thinks Midsommar is a dark comedy, that dude is fucked up. and yeah. Which makes sense. <laughs> he made hereditary and... Midsommar in this movie.
0: Yeah. But so what I have here in my notes is that it really reminds me of um, like Darren Aronofsky's mother and that like the concepts and themes are so large in scale and that it's like super surreal in the storytelling. Because even I feel like mother was extremely divisive. You know what I mean? Mm. And like you watch this movie and you're like, what am I watching? And I just feel like to me, that's like the closest like one to one comp I could think of. I was even also kind of thinking like very different, obviously, but like Big Fish. I remember loving that movie when it came out because that's kind of like a tall tale or an odyssey. But except where like Big Fish is like super like whimsical and like happy, essentially like in um, Bo's Afraid, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're basically just watching this man like devolve, like just take every wrong turn like along his journey and it's just like it's hard to watch at times and then you're like you're not sure if you're rooting for him but like you have to be rooting for him because he's the main character but like then when he gets to his destination you're like why did you do this i don't know
1: yeah i think those are both very good comps but not necessarily for the movie as a whole. So the movie oh, yeah, is no. split into four acts, essentially. You think four? four very I was thinking distinct three. Acts.
0: Oh no, you're right. Yeah.
1: Um, and like on the Odyssey or Gulliver's Travels, it's it's almost like we're leaving one setting. We're literally leaving one setting and moving to a completely different space.
0: And that's what happened in this, I think.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. exactly what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So the the first act, undoubtedly, like Mother, it's just like this chaos of people around him and being terrified of everything happening. Um, And then big fish is a great one for when they're in the woods. Yeah. It's like even looks a little bit like that. Well, that play was
0: beautiful. It was so well done. And then it like kind of goes into like this, like CGI world. It definitely went on too long in Mm -hmm. my opinion, but the beginning of it, I just really loved the way it was um, drawn out. And I just loved like the way they did the mechanics of the play. I thought were so cool.
1: Yeah, that animated sequence, though, really cool, was the first time it was also, I'm going to guess, two hours and 15 minutes into the movie, where most movies are ending, was when I first started to fade a little bit of like. Yeah. because it, And it is told in the most ethereal woman's voice. Like it, yeah, yeah, I think it, it is. is meant to kind of be like, this is when we're like, going to put them to you? sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, they could have told that story with, uh, somebody else telling it, but it's like this beautiful woman speaking like this for a 10, 15 minutes about. I feel
0: like longer. Yeah, I don't know. It, it went on for a while, way longer than I think it should have, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, it, the beginning, I think, started out beautifully. And then it ended, like how all of the acts end.
1: Yeah. But it, it's a movie that requires a second viewing. And it's going to be nicer when I can watch it at home and pause it, go pee. Uh, I had to pee so bad by the climax of the movie. I did go once during the movie, but in three hours I had to go again. I drank an entire soda pop. And uh, that, like, I was almost taken out. Maybe I don't, like, I didn't feel the emotion of the end and i don't know it was because my yeah, body the ending was rejecting was definitely,
0: it like the very very end was a bit confused uh, for me i was i was left a little confused even though i guess i get it in theory but i don't know i don't know
1: yeah it's it's a strange structured movie and it felt much like i said about nope um i think ultimately Potentially will be deemed a masterpiece.
0: Well, Nope is arguably very good. This, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, a little different because even Nope is much more traditional and straightforward than this is. But just uh, the only reason I'm comparing him is because when we first talked about Nope, I said that the creator in his third movie had like all of these ideas. Yeah. So many ideas. And, and crammed them into this one thing about these, in Bo's case, one character, and Nope is two characters. And some of it didn't land.
0: I disagree with the comparison. I feel like Nope was about one story. This was about a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Oh, only, only in just the, um, the sheer amount of ideas crammed into one thing. That maybe a little editing... It was kind of like the Irishman, where the men, Irishmen, 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 where you're like, at the, you're watching it, like, man, this is still going on. It's so long. But then you get to the end and you're like, the length is kind of the point. Like he goes on this epic journey. By the end, when he gets yeah, to the end, but was you're like, cra- wow, yes. Sure, yeah. We're like, wow, we've made it. I feel like I've been, been places. I've been through the ringer with this guy. And if that all happened in two hours, I don't think I would have felt as, as like exhausted and, and wrung out. And that's what you're supposed to feel. Like, that's the point.
0: I know. I really want to talk about the end, but you don't want to, right?
1: Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to give too many plot points. Um, Yeah. Immediately when I left the film, I described it as the 2001, a space odyssey of childhood trauma. Like it's just like with all the segments, different segments and they all mean something.
0: It was funny because someone came up to us and was like, what was that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually this guy that was in the movie theater who was checking his phone a lot. Well, I imagine that it was
0: like a lot. And went
1: to pee four or five times or got soda. He left a lot and was checking his phone a lot with a very bright screen so I was a little annoyed at this guy. But then when he came up to us, he seemed very nice. He was like, well, Do you know what, what that movie was about? Yeah. It's like, uh, I need to unpack it. And I should have been like, You should listen to us on Talking Tent. I almost did say that.
0: All right. Well, if anyone wants to hit us up and talk about the end of the movie and get our thoughts about that, would love to hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah. I think, well, A, I definitely recommend the movie. I would say, well, if you I love- want it to perform well, so that he can just keep doing know, whatever three the fudge hours he though wants. is
0: like a tough sell, I think.
1: But yeah, I mean, if you if you love if it sounds good, the references that we've made, go see it. Just bring a bring a catheter, maybe, <laughs> and uh, or like easy access to go pee, run out, um, and be you know don't be tired. But I think we I think we're going to A lot gonna, of prerequisites. Yeah, there. Right. Yeah. It's it's long. There's no it shouldn't be that challenging if it's just long. Who cares? But it is. It's a long well, time I to Well, I feel sit like somewhere. because
0: of that, people are just gonna wait till yeah. they're home and then just be on their cell phones yeah, and well, then
1: well, hopefully you can watch something at home without constantly being on your cell phone. But yeah, I think most people are gonna eventually catch up with this and, and say and say, Wow, that was freaking weird. <laughs> um But I think, undeniably, we're going to be revisiting this because it's going to be on my list once I have time to watch it again, I think. Like, the more I'm going to think about it, the more I'm going to be impressed by what he did. I've never seen a movie. like I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. There's nothing like it. There's things that are similar. There's references that we can give you. There's, you know, books and stuff. But the Odyssey is... It's a hero's thing. It's about a hero and it's about an adventure or whatever. Gulliver's Travels is about like this, this, it's a satire on the world, but it's like an adventure. This is, yes, it's a journey, an epic journey, but it's so strange. Yeah. It's so strange. And Joaquin Phoenix is such a weird protagonist.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Well, it also seems like this is like a journey he takes that he never wants to be taking, So it's just, like, funny, like, he just gets pulled into these situations and then, like, into these moments, and you're just, like, tense the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's not, like, a a horror movie, but it is kind of, like, a thriller in a way. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I was just nervous the whole time, and I think that's the point.
1: Yeah, it's It's, I would say it's a three-hour nightmare.
0: yeah, Yeah, it really is.
1: And not all parts of nightmares are so terrifying. Yeah, but they're all you, the looming dread. Is, the looming is dread, around yeah, it, is around that's exactly everything. what it is. Even there, one of the acts is like seemingly kind of nice because Nathan Lane shows up, and you're like, "Ooh, a respite from what I the horror that I just watched," and that isn't that doesn't go very nice either. And,
0: no, none of it does. You
1: know, it's just a wild. It's a wild swing. It's incredible. I think. Hopefully, if Ari Aster is able to continue a career, continue being successful, I said it when I walked out. I was like, I think this is a movie people are going to study, and Martin Scorsese has given him a hard stamp of approval. It's been everywhere. You think he saw this? Yeah. No. Oh, at, like widely known, he was at the IMAX premiere oh. and said that Ari Aster is like the void like the uh, brilliant oh artist of this Imagine generation.
0: Imagine Ari showing this to Marty. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I am using their first names, and like being so nervous about what he would think. This had to have been in New York, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I think Ari Aster lives in it New was, York. He
1: did. They did like a, a early IMAX premiere.
0: Yeah, we didn't see it in IMAX. Do, yeah. do you wish we had? No. Okay. I, I don't think, think it needed to. Yeah,
1: I think honestly, I'm. I, we were gonna see it in theaters. We're gonna see everything he does in theaters. I don't think you have to see it in theaters. In fact taking a being able to pause it although then you lose it yeah but just like being able to stand up is okay i like i just said i think it being so long and feeling like it's literally draining me and i'm just sitting there is part of it but i think the most enjoyment someone will get out of it and the most appreciation for it is when they're not worried about how long it is which is like i know it's snowing outside this is it for the next three hours and I have my popcorn. I have my kitchen right there. And yeah. it's going to be great.
0: Well, I think we've said everything we need to say about Bo is Afraid.
1: Next week, we are taking a much needed vacation, but we are posting two bonus episodes. And they will be episode types that will continue for the rest of our time making this podcast. But the first will be on April 30th is the end Of the first four months of this year, it's the first trimester of 2023, and we're giving our first trimester awards, our favorite TV and movies that we watched in the first four months of this year, and then May 1st will be the first of our (laughs) Excitometer episodes where the first day of every month, we will go through week by week what's coming out, how unbelievable the onslaught of content is and give our general takes and excitometer scores from one to 10. So look forward to those.
0: Thank you, Craig, for the production assistance. And thank you to John Welsh for our intro and outro music.
1: Please subscribe. So, you know, every time we post a new episode, follow us on all the social medias at Talk Intent. Please feel free to to comment like, favorite, retweet, do all the good stuff that social media needs. And after you see Bo is afraid and you're as wildly perplexed as I was and intrigued and and awe-inspired and confused, email me about it and we'll talk to you at talkintent at gmail.com. From our living room to yours, what do you want to watch?